Okay, we'd like to welcome you to our current event and weekly Bible study for 3-21-09, March 21st, 2009. And this is kind of a special couple presentations here, because what I'm going to be doing is going over a couple different YouTube videos, the actual um, uh, verbiage from the YouTube videos, so you can hear them yourselves, and then be making kind of comments along the way. Uh, and um, this is re- this teaching is going to be in regard to uh, the dollar and how they've just injected this uh, trillion dollars more into circulation and what that means uh, for the dollar, for the economy in the U.S., for the global economy. We're going to be discussing the new world reserve currency, this G20 meeting that's coming up, and proactive spiritual and physical measures regarding these things. Because we just don't want to present the problem, we also want to get back to the solution as well, from a physical and a spiritual aspect. So the first video that we're going to be looking at is one with Glenn Beck. And regardless of how you feel about Glenn Beck, this is just, I'm, I'm doing this more to convey the information, which is uh, factual. And we're just going to be confirming this from a number of different angles. Glenn Beck, we're going to be listening to a brief interview from Ron Paul. Uh, article from Reuters, two articles from Reuters, uh, and uh, Cutting Edge Ministries as well. And you're going to see there's a lot of cross-confirmation here, so we're not making this stuff up. It's it's definitely happening. And um, I thought that it was important enough I needed to kind of get on this and and get a teaching out as quickly as possible. Okay, so without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and start the uh, Glenn Beck uh, video. This is about six minutes, a little over six minutes, and it's entitled "How much is one trillion dollars?" This was just recorded three nineteen, just a couple days ago, uh, by Glenn Beck on his show. Stars left, but here's the one thing. I actually missed something yesterday, and uh, somebody called me on my radio program yesterday uh, during, uh, you know, around uh, lunchtime. And they said, uh, Glenn, why is it? You always say, look at the other hand. What's the other hand doing? Everybody's talking about AIG. You know what? I didn't know at the time. I didn't know until about 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon yesterday. Then I figured it out. I've been telling you for weeks, don't be distracted by the big news of the day because I think a lot of it is a smokescreen. The Citibank offices, the AIG, yesterday I fell for it myself. While everybody, including me, was taking sides on the AIG bonuses, something so much more important. History happened yesterday. The Fed announced that it is going to pump a trillion dollars into the system by buying debt from our Treasury. What does that mean? You know, I asked my producers today, I said, why is nobody covering this? And they said, Glenn, it's too complex. Nobody really understands this. It's hard to explain. Please, America, please stay with me on this. They have lowered interest rates as far as they can. What happened yesterday is a last-ditch effort. You know, it's, it's like they put our entire economy up on the roulette wheel and said, yeah, you know what, let's let her roll. Keep it on black, 17. To put this into perspective, 
Think of America this way. It's, she's like a sick patient. And she's got one of those nasty staph infections, you know. And the doctor's like, oh, we'll just give her a little penicillin and everything will clear up. And then they try something else and try something else. And pretty soon you're in the hospital. And that's when you open up your eyes and you see everybody. You're now in an isolation room there in the hospital. And they've all got masks. And they're hanging a little bag of IV. And they're like, oh, don't worry. Everything is going to be okay. Oh, dear God, he's going to die. They usually, you know, the, the, the last line of defense for antibiotics is Vanco. That's it. If it doesn't work, you're dead. Yesterday, about 3 o'clock Eastern, the last line of defense was hung over the patient called America. But we were all, including me, too focused on that AIG thing, all oh, that scandal. Here's what all of this means. What they did yesterday afternoon is they started borrowing money from ourselves to pay ourselves for programs we can't afford. You know, it's like I said, uh, oh, you know what, uh, Glenn, I just would like $1,000 for M&Ms. Well, Glenn, I don't think uh, you should be spending that $1,000, but I really want some M&Ms, Glenn. Okay, i tell you what, I've got some money right here. Well, it's not actually money. What it is, you know, it's an IOME. So, Glenn, I'll give it to you. Oh, my goodness, Glenn, thank you so much. I'm good for it. Really, I am. They're moving money from one pocket to another. It doesn't work. I'll show you why the situation is deathly serious in just a minute. But first, I want to show you. I want to show you something over here. I asked the uh, the art department, and they are so good. Um, I asked them to show how much is a trillion dollars because that's what we printed yesterday. Okay, so now we're going to be. You can't see this because this is an audio, but he's going to be doing a diagram, and this is going around on the internet regarding you know what does a trillion dollars actually look like in comparison to a one one hundred dollar bill and a million dollars and a billion and a hundred million and these types of things so um, that's what he's doing right now I'm gonna go ahead and let the audio play regarding the AIG thing this is something they do constantly there, there's always putting out smoke screens things that will get you fired up but your eyes are focused on the wrong thing so we'll continue with the video here a trillion dollars. I think we have lost sight on how much a trillion dollars is. So here's a hundred dollars. We all know a hundred dollars. There it is. One hundred dollar bill. Next, ten thousand dollars. What does that look like? Stacked up in one hundred dollar bills. There it is. Now a hundred, or I'm sorry, now a million dollars. Stacked up in hundred dollar bills. It's actually, it would fit in a big suitcase. Now a hundred million dollars. I don't know why they insist on keeping me so fat, but there I am. Okay, so there's a hundred million dollars. Now let me show you a billion dollars. If it was all stacked up, that's how about the size of your car. This is going to get ugly. This is what one trillion dollars looks like. That's Fat Glenn right here. That's a trillion dollars. That's how much money yesterday the Fed created out of thin air when they said, oh, let me take it out of this pocket in an IOU. You print the money and we'll put it in this pocket. This is why yesterday, in the time that I was on the air, gold shot up $50. The price of gold is up $75 in 18 hours after they announced this. 
Okay, so looking at this trillion dollars, you can't see it, but it looks to be the size of, we went from a billion, which was about the size of a car, $100 bill stacked, um, to then a trillion, which looks to be literally in relation to a car, at least a couple football fields. And I may not be doing it justice there. Of pallets, you can imagine a pallet of dollar bills, Powers how they commonly ship things, stacked double high, and it, two two pallets high of one hundred dollar bills, looking to be at least two football fields. That's how much a trillion is, and it may be four football fields. It's kind of hard to get the the perspective there, but uh, it, it's a ton of money. Investors, the people with money, the people that know what this means, they're not stupid. They're getting out of the dollar. The dollar deflated and, and went down in the biggest drop. I think it's the third lowest since 1970. Look, let me... Okay, so when, when you do this, it, it's like... I gave the example of just using the colloidal silver that I recommend. Um, if It starts out at a strong strength of like 5,000 parts per million. Or you could use this analogy for anything. So let's say you have something very concentrated. And what you can do with colloidal silver at that level is you can dilute it with distilled water. And you can dilute it and dilute it and dilute it down until you get, get into the parts per trillion. And again, it's kind of an analogy. It's, it's diluting the money pool and weakening the dollar. Um, and there's nothing backing the dollar anyway. They're creating this stuff out of thin air, uh, which is ultimately being done so that uh, they can demonetize the dollar, and we're going to end up going to some type of reserve currency, most likely some regional currency uh, first, uh, which was, would be referred to as the Amero. And this is the ultimate goal. They have to create this crisis, which has been building for tons of years, in order to do this. And this last trillion that they've just introduced is probably going to be the last nail in the coffin. There may be a couple more, who knows, but it may be the last nail in the coffin. And we're going to look at this from several different angles tonight. Let me explain what this means here. Let me play doctor for you, but I'm not going to talk to you like you're a third grader, all right? I am sick and tired of people not giving you the benefit of the doubt and, and just thinking that you can't handle anything except a partisan argument. Here's what it is. The, argue, the uh, antibiotic that we just gave ourselves, a trillion dollars of money that we just manufactured, this has been tried before, but it is never ever worked in the history of the civilized world. Never. It ends in Zimbabwe. It ends in the Weimar Republic. It ends with wheelbarrows full of money for bread. Can this time be different? I don't know. Maybe. We sure hope so now, don't we? But we've got to have the guts to make some life-changing decisions here. We have got to have our government stop spending so much money. It is time, America, to you go up peacefully and surround the Capitol and say, Hey, guys, stop spending money. You're destroying the value of our dollar. Unthinkable pain is coming in the short term. But I would much rather have that. I'd much rather have a depression than a depression and a complete collapse of our monetary system and our dollar. That's what's happening. We're printing dollars at an alarming... Okay, so that was the end of the video, and uh, it's a pretty, pretty sobering video. But remember, the, the 
one of the mottos of the Illuminati is Ordo, Ordo Ab Cal, in Latin, which means order out of chaos. They create the problem, and then they also give you the solution. And again, normally in order to polarize and traumatize the public to the maximum, they're going to let this really go uh, for a while until it gets really, really bad. Maybe there's rioting, maybe there's martial law, who knows? There might be other um, events that have been scheduled to take place coinciding with this to further instill more fear, whether that may be something like an avian flu outbreak or a false flag nuclear event or let's say some natural disaster, uh, earthquake, volcano, things of this nature. And um, whatever may end up happening there, Ultimately, it is to bring about controlled change. Okay, so this is the beginning, and if you've seen the other things I've I've done on um, this Maitreya character, he, he has also stated as far back as 1992 that his appearance will coincide with a economic meltdown, particularly in America, which will then go global. So this coincides with a lot of different information that we've done over several different teachings. We've got over 250 online, and this pretty much confirms the uh, uh, where we've been moving. Um, this is this is just a cross-confirmation here. So we're going to go to another video now, and this one is going to be a brief one with Ron Paul, and he's going to be discussing the uh, G20 summit and a new currency. It's a good question about this is a little bit choppy summit, at the beginning. A lot of people have that question on their minds, and there'll be a lot of news about it. It's a conference that's coming up right now because of the calamity that we're facing in our financial markets. I mean, they okay, this conference he's in reference to is this G20 meeting that's going to be taking place, I believe, uh, near the start of April. G20 meaning essentially kind of like a clever way of saying the 20 most powerful nations on the planet are all getting together. You've heard of G7. G7 was the seventh most. Well, now they've actually increased it to a G20 summit that's coming up very shortly. And um, this is Ron Paul again. And they just didn't decide on that, although there have been people around who have liked to have devised a new monetary system because they knew the old system uh, wasn't working. But what we're witnessing now today is the breakdown of a system that was established in 1971. Of course, the Bretton Woods, which was started in 1944, lasted until August 15th of 1971, and that was a major event when that broke down. So we've had this dollar uh, reserve system that's lasted an unbelievably long time, from 1971 up until now. But the financial crisis has put a nail in the coffin. That is over. The only question is, is what is going to replace it? And uh, now they're getting together. It's called the G20 Summit. Uh, many, many nations will be coming together to try to devise this uh, new monetary system. Some people... So remember, he's talking about this like it's a foregone conclusion. The dollar, it's just its a matter of time. Them pumping tr another trillion into... It would be akin to pump, putting, you know, uh, seven liters of, of uh, blood into a corpse... Okay, it, it just doesn't matter because it's still a corpse. It's dead. It's irretrievably dead. It's and in this case, the system is irretrievably broken. So he, he talks as though this is pretty much a done deal. Call it uh, Bretton Woods too. Others have 
called the system we have today is Bretton Woods too, but that's irrelevant. But the big question is, is what, what are they going to come up with? One thing I can tell you, they're not going to come up with an international gold standard because you don't need international government for uh, a, a gold standard. But what is coming up, though, is I think the uh, internationalization of a central bank. They would like to come up with one central bank for the world to replace the dollar standard and uh, also have international regulation, you know, a massive expansion of the WTO regulations into the financial markets. And- now, you could see how that would bring us right into the New World Order in high gear. Okay, now, not everybody thinks that it's going to go right to this global currency. Um, I'm going to give you Cutting Edge, the ministry Cutting Edge's take on this, and they're saying that they're going to probably do a regional currency first, moving to the global, because what Ron Paul's talking about here, if it were implemented, it would almost move us right into a system that would be very compatible with the Antichrist system of Revelation and Daniel, and I don't, I'm praying it does not go that quickly, but you know, it's it's hard to be very dogmatic about these things. We can only speculate at this point. And there's a lot of people who who desire this, but uh, that won't solve the the problem either, uh, because it's just just more of the same. And uh, today, though, uh, the problem the problem we face is that the dollar standard is coming to an end. There's not a good reason for us to join this new system. It's an attack on the system because we've had a free ride with the dollar standard. And since that's coming to a close, we're going to lose the privilege of creating massive amounts of money out of thin air and spending them overseas and getting away with it. But we all knew... I mean, did you hear what he just said? I mean, isn't that unbelievable for a congressman to... But it's like it's a foregone conclusion. It's like it's not really a point of debate. It's just a fact. They create money out of thin air, and then we can spend it overseas. It's a pretty good deal for the United States. ...that the balance of payment deficit would come to an end. It's come to an end. They're not taking our money like they used to. The reserves are not being built up in the central banks of the world. The Chinese have not been buying our dollars like they used to. But they hold so many, so it's not in their interest to dump the dollar. But they're sick and tired of the dollar standard is what happened. The Chinese and even the British now are getting together with the Europeans and saying what we need is a new reserve currency. And it has to be made up by the Chinese and the Europeans. So in a way, we're under attack. But they can't be too direct about that because it would literally crash the dollar. So they're in a precarious situation where they're trying to keep the dollar up and yet the dollar system doesn't work. And uh, here they're going to get together and try to come up with the uh, new system. This weekend, or even within the next week or so, they're not going to have a new system devised. It took them two years of planning to come up with that Bretton Woods system. Although it was came into effect in 1944, for two years before that, they made their plans. And this is a difficult problem. And I think all that's going to happen as they pl- make these plans is the world economy is going to get much, much worse. And, of course, I have been saying, and I will continue to say, that everything that we have do- done... Uh, has been to make the problems worse because we have more debt, more spending, more inflation. It's pretty amazing the dollar has held up as well as it has uh, so far. But eventually that will have to collapse. And that is where the danger is. Political danger, economic danger, and very, very harmful because it could bring on runaway inflation of the uh, German type of inflation of the 20s. And there's a lot of people very worried about it, and they should be. But the answers could be found rather simply. 
and that is we in, the, we in this country should lead the way. We should say balanced budgets are good, less spending is good, sound money is good, the Constitution is good, central banking is bad, and international single central bank is a horror. So the answers are out there. Uh, but I think we should watch carefully and get hints of what's coming out of this uh, this summit. Uh, but uh, they will not come up with an easy answer. There's no reason why we shouldn't start thinking about free market competing currencies. Let some money come out, you know, out of the marketplace. They're capable of doing this. I mean, if somebody comes up with uh, allotting credits with and, and guarantee that they are backed by sound money or, or sound uh, metals, uh, there could be private uh, private uh, money established. It could be easier today than it was in the past because of the computer system. So this is an opportunity for us to talk about sound money and uh, get rid of the inflation because the system that we've had has failed and they can't patch it up. So we have the choice of going toward this international paper money system with more controls of international government, more regulation, or more freedom and sound money. Of course, I vote for the latter. Okay, so there you have Congressman Ron Paul's take on this particular situation. So we've got Ron Paul, Glenn Beck weighing in. Now let's look to what Reuters has just reported. This is March 19th out of Moscow. There was an article that came out that said China backs talks on dollar as reserve. Um, and then it goes on to say, China and other emerging nations back Russia's call for a discussion on how to replace the dollar as the world's primary reserve currency. So they're trying to replace the dollar. A senior Russian government source said on Thursday, Russia has proposed the creation of a new reserve currency to be issued by international fi- financial institutions, among other measures, in the text of its proposals to the April G20 summit published last Monday. Call, this calls for a rethink of the dollar status as the world's sole benchmark currency. They, um, this comes amid concerns about big long-term value as the U.S. Federal Reserve moved to pump more than a trillion dollars new cash into the alien economy late Wednesday. Going further, another article out of Reuters. This is entitled U- United Nations Panel says the world should ditch the dollar. This is by Jeremy Gaunt. He is a European investment correspondent out of Luxembourg. And this goes on to say, a UN panel will next week recommend that the world ditch the dollar as its reserve currency in favor of the shared basket of currencies. A member of the panel said on Wednesday, adding pressure on the dollar. Currency specialist Avinash Persad a member of a panel of experts told Reuters uh, in Luxembourg that the proposal was to create something like an old ECU, which stands for European Currency Union, that was hard traded and was what they referred to as a weighted basket. Prasad, chairman of consultants of intelligence capital and former currency chief at J.P. Morgan, said the recommendation would be one of a number delivered to the United Nations on March 25th by the UN Commission of Experts on International Financial Reform. So there's another uh, take on it, a little bit more confirmation now. This is from uh, Cutting Edge Ministries, and this is entitled, When Both the United States and the United Nations Call for Abandonment of the Dollar, You Must Know the Amero Cannot Be Far Behind. So this is their take, and this is what I tend to agree with as well, that they're going to have a regional currency uh, before we go to the actual global 
Uh, so this might be to them kind of a happy medium. You know, may, they may threaten to go global, and they'll say, "Okay, well, they'll give us the concession of they'll just give us a regional currency." And in this case, it'll also be the pretext for the formation of the North American Union that I've done several reports on, and uh, also the Amero, which ties in heavily with that. North American Union being a super state of Canada, Mexico, and the United States that's been planned for quite a long time. Um, you know, Bush had a lot to do, President Bush had a lot to do with that, and Obama is going to carry that through as well. So I've done several teachings on that. If you want to know about any more of these subjects in depth, you can go to my homepage on Sermon Audio, and uh, essentially there's a little search box there, and you can key in like North American or part of the word or Amero, and any time I've ever spoke on that, all the teachings will come up where I've done that. So this is a this is from Cutting Edge, and they get into they're going to quote first from World Daily Net, uh, March nineteenth. Again, this is very very current stuff, and this is a news brief from them. It's entitled "U.S. Backs Global Alternative to the Dollar." And this is U.S. backing this. Uh, this starts out by saying, increasingly, the International Monetary Fund, with the support of the United States and Russia, appears to position to be positioned to launch a one-world currency at the upcoming G20 meeting in London. The idea, the idea is for the IMF to issue $250 billion in special drawing funds, or what they refer to as SDRs, to IMF, meaning International Monetary Fund, member states as a method of placing a safety net under developing countries that might otherwise have to declare bankruptcy. You, know, you can imagine a country declaring bankruptcy, that's what we're talking about. The idea gained momentum Tuesday when the Moscow Times published an article revealing that the Kremlin intended to use the G20 meeting, which begins on April 2nd, to push for the IMF to utilize SDRs as a super reserve currency widely accepted by the whole of the international community. So this is going to be their most likely solution to the dying dollar. goes on to say, um, these SDRs are nothing new, and they were originally created in 1907, by the IMF, and were actually called paper gold. SDRs are designed to supplement the reserves of gold and controvertible currencies used to maintain stability in the foreign exchange market. For example, the U.S. Treasury sees the British pound's value has fallen precipitously in relation to the dollar. It can then use its store of SDRs to buy excess pounds on the foreign exchange market, thereby raising the value of the remaining supply of pounds. Does the expansion of the super reserve currency signal a global currency? Perhaps and perhaps not, at least not right away. Now, this is cutting edge's take, and I, I again, I, can, I tend to agree with them. Since the Illuminati plan foresees the creation of a regional system, which would precede the global system, we expect the final agenda of the economic crisis to replace the American dollar with the North, North American Union currency, which is now being called the Amero. Since World War II, regional political, military unions have been set up like NATO, CETO, ASIN, just to name a few. While the SDR may be set in place to prevent a collapse of the dollar, the ultimate goal right now will be the regional solution, the creation of the Amero, the actual global currency which the Antichrist is and the false prophet will inherit, will be created only after World War III. And, and again, that's, that's a far further... Um, We'd have to go into that further, but I have covered that subject in a lot of the teachings I've done. The economies of the developed world will be set back up on their feet, but they will be based solely upon the new global currency. The United Nations even got in the act 
of calling for the dollar to be abandoned, and their call was tied to the special drawing rights program, which is a shared basket of currencies, which we've already talked about that. Uh, when the Illuminati Bank, J.P. Morgan, supports the shared basket of currencies, or the SDRs, then you must realize that the proposal carries a heavyweight international backing. We could very well see this, this SDR as the real solution for the world's economic problems. Rest assured that this new global currency will steadily evolve into the global currency foretold in Revelation 13, 16 through 18. See, this is just a, no, another progression in steps, uh, clearly confirming what the Bible says, and um, so it shouldn't be a surprise. And this ends by saying, we are witnessing a great fulfillment of prophecy unfolding daily in our daily news. And this next article is from a guy named Bruce Hopkins, and he has the uh, internet-grocer.net. Now, I'm going to supply all these videos and everything on a PDF that is connected with this teaching, like I try to do every week. And you can go up here and, and you know re-listen and read the whole articles. I'm just reading you excerpts today for the sake of time. But this is from uh, Bruce Hopkins, internet-grocer.net. And this is his take on the uh, situation. This was entitled, Urgent Financial News, Fed Has Destroyed the Dollar. He goes on to say, Only Glenn Beck is reporting this in the mainstream media. Yesterday, the Federal Reserve bought, printed $1 trillion of our debt, moving money from one pocket to another. This will cause the U.S. dollar to become worthless, and we're about ready to go into hyperinflation. Now, again, it's one of the many things that will ultimately cause the U.S. dollar to become worthless. Not the only thing, but one of the many. He goes on to say, you'll need a wheelbarrow load of cash just to buy a loaf of bread. This is what happened in the Weimar Republic in Germany after World War I, and more recently to Zimbabwe. Today I got the following email from my account representative at Lear Capital. Please move on this ASAP to protect your assets or your retirement. He's saying that him and his wife have already moved their IRAs into gold and silver. Remember, if it's in a bank and the bank collapses, or if the currency devalues to nothing because essentially it's not worth anything, then if the banks collapse and you can't get your money out, well, too bad. You're, you're, you're out everything. You've lost everything. And then the next best case scenario would be do you have a whole bunch of cash on hand and then it devalues to nothing, or let's say a 90% devaluation uh, or something of that nature. It's hard to, again to be dogmatic exactly how much it will devalue, but if it does, and it will to a certain extent, then you've just lost all of that, you know, of that money. So this is the alternative they're um, presenting here, and I, I do agree with it. It says, Lear has the lowest discount rates of any company we've found. Now, again, I am not big, though, if you're going to get gold and silver, of going to a company like this that creates a paper trail, if you know what I mean. Um, you can do that. That's up to you. But if you're going to do this, it's better that you actually take physical possession of the gold and silver and, if possible, to deal with somebody locally so and to create as much of a minimal paper trail as possible when you do this. Okay, it's just, you know, if it were me, that's what I'd do. That's all about all I can say. But um, people like Pastor Slattery on the Internet, uh, PreachingFreedomBlogspot.com, Preaching Freedom Privacy. He's got whole blogs on this, and he's much more of an expert regarding gold and silver than I'll ever be. I'm just kind of weighing in a little bit on this. Um, so anyway, it says, Two days ago I wrote you to alert you of the evidence that the Federal Reserve, the large, largest bank in the world, was broke. 
Yesterday we received bright in the daylight proof that it is broke. And again, this is from Lear Financial. I have studied currencies for 27 years, and I know what to look for when a bank begins to, quote, monetize its debt. This is what happened yesterday afternoon. It caused gold to increase $55 per ounce in one hour. Now, remember, Glenn Beck referenced that. And 40, in one hour and 45 minutes. That's 5.81% or 3.32% per hour. It's also why gold is continuing to go higher today. In a nutshell, now again, I don't think gold has went through the roof or anything like that at this point. Uh, but, again, that could happen um, very shortly and very quickly. He goes on to say, in a nutshell, our central bank is out in, out in the open selling treasuries out in front of the front door, and then they're buying them through the back door again, which again is confirmation of what we just talked about. This action is, number one, unconstitutional. Number two, insane. Number three, will cause our foreign bank debt holders to be more nervous than they already are. Going further, this was put into words by analyst Matt Thiel, late yesterday when he said this. Have you ever shot lighter fluid on a barbecue that was already lit? The result is a fireball, at least until the lighter fluid burns out. This is pretty much what the Fed did today, in other words, by releasing this, you know, trillion dollars into, they've just created this fireball, but the fireball is going to burn out very quickly. And we're going to be in worse shape than, you know, before they put the fireball off, is the point. Then he also said this, Mark my words, cornered animals have little to lose. They will, take on, they will take our dare. Currencies worldwide have just been tossed onto a path of worthlessness. And he gives a link to the article. He also gives a link to Market Watch, which is out of Wall Street Journal, what they say. And then here's, here's what he says to do, to take action. To protect your savings from probable coming hyperinflation, buy gold and silver now. With both hands. Please email me back if you have any questions. Thank you for your time. Uh, that's Lear Capital. And that's LearCapital.com. Again, I'm not wild about doing uh, these types of transactions online. You're creating a paper trail. And um, again, take physical possession of the gold and silver. Suffice it to say. And then he goes on to say, I don't think any of this will be reported in the left-wing media. Now, this is back to Bruce Hopkins, who put this out. He goes on to say, I've been urging you to get prepared by getting our non-hybrid seeds and learning how you can can foods. Now, he's got links there. Um, it's internetgrocer.net, non-hybrid seeds. Very wise to invest in a pack of those. I believe he's got, uh, think of, you can buy the whole set for like $44. You really can't beat it. And then how you can also can foods. Uh, he's got a lot of, uh, he's a Christian and he's got a lot of different uh, food packages up there, freeze-dried foods and things of this nature, very good prices, and I do recommend him. Um, so it goes on to say about, he says 60 of you out of 5,013 have done this. I've actually got the non-hybrid seed and canning food package. Again, I'm not getting any money for advertising anybody here, so I'm just, I'm just kind of reading this to you, because it is something important. It's one more aspect of preparing he goes on to say, please don't put this off. The day may soon be here when our shiny new Marxist government won't let us do business. Um, and he says, until next time, be safe, Bruce, Bruce Hopkins. So I'm going to go ahead and end part one there. And the next is going to be um, part two, where we're going to get into more of the, oh, I guess the preparatory. And some of the things we can do 
um, preparing for this and some proactive things that we can do. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to do a part two. I'm just going to include some part one, and uh, we'll go from there because we don't have that much left to go. This is from uh, the, entitled The Perilous Times Primer, February of 2009, entitled Solid Preparations for an Uncertain Future. Now, his level one preparation, which we're not going to be going over today, I, I never even really received that one, but he's got three things for level one preparation. Now, this is in regard to being a Christian. And in his previous posting, we looked at the most fundamental essentials of spiritual preparation. These are things contained in the soul, in the event that we stand, stand barehanded in the coming days. Okay, And number one, a storehouse of memorized scripture regarding um, Psalm 119, verse 11 is the verse he gives, for, forever, O Lord. Um, Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. Um, I've said this in several other teachings, you know, memorize as much scripture as you can, because there's going to probably come a day where if they can get access to them, they will take away your Bible. So you need to have the word of God hidden in your heart to be able to draw upon that very word. Uh, the number second point that he talked about is a strong, resilient faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And then faith is, is the essence of um, one of the tenets of salvation um, that, you know, through Jesus Christ. For you are saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And um, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So number point one relates to point two, a storehouse of memorized scripture. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So these are things that are incredibly important. I've done whole teachings on these, and um, uh, you can access those online as well. And then the third thing is a genuine daily communion with Jesus Christ. Uh, through prayer, reading his word, and, and again, they all kind of cross-confirm and relate to one another. Now, level two are the basic necessities. Um, and I thought these were neat, these stories that he read here, because they really can get you kind of thinking about this situation. Now, also, too, I have a whole, I have a whole uh, sheet of proactive recommendations that um, you can take. Now, to access the sheet, well, there's a number of different ways you can do it. You can either uh, go up on YouTube and just key in Dr. Scott Johnson. You'll find... Um, really any of the teachings I've done. I've only done three teachings, two relating to the avion flu and one to colloidal silver. And I have a proactive recommendations list on the right-hand side of the page uh, that you can click on. There's a link there you can go to. Or you can key in the word avion flu or avion in my sermon audio homepage. And there's a PDF connected with that file with the avion flu. You can click on that. And I give you my full proactive recommendations regarding colloidal silver, things like gas masks, um, um, nebulizers that you can buy, uh, things like relocation, safe places that you might want to think about, books on those, uh, all, my, all of my YouTube presentations, they're all up there, and that's something else that, that you might want to think about looking at. But level two, the basic necessities, he starts out by saying, recently I've been reading a book by David Roberts called it was called Four Against the Arctic. The story of four Russian sailors who in 1743 were stranded for six years on a barren Arctic island. 
when they left their ice-bound ship to look for shelter, they only had the barest of provisions. Between the ship and the shore was two miles of shifting ice flows and thinly frozen sea ice. To minimize weight, they carried only the clothes on their backs, a musket with 12 balls, and 12 changes, charges of black powder, a single knife, a single axe, a small kettle, 20 pounds of flour in a bag, a tinder box and a little tinder, and a pouch of tobacco and one wooden pipe each. On returning the next day to their boat, they were horrified to find that during their absence, the sea ice had broken up, their ship and mates had gone down into the depths of the sea, and they were stranded in a remote corner of the Arctic. With no real hope of ever being found, after bagging 12 caribou, their powder and their shot were exhausted. They had enough meat and furs to last in the winter, but then what? Scouring the shore for driftwood, they discovered a few boards from the shipwreck, in, in which were a bolt and two six-inch nails. These proved to be the key to their whole survival. Using the bolt as a hammer, they flattened the nails into broad blades, which they then attached to heavy shafts. With these, they successfully attacked and killed a polar bear, providing both meat and the right kind of sinew to make strong string, which they strung a bow that they had carved from the root of a fir tree among the driftwood. With this crude bow and arrows tipped with a few smaller nails flattened into arrowheads, they survived for six years and three months when they were finally sighted and rescued by another ship blown off course in an Arctic storm. Such is the possibility of determined minds, skilled hands, and a refusal to give in into hopeless despair. I mean, you have to admit, that is just about worst case scenario. But they were resilient and, you know, praise God, they, they got through it. Then he goes on to say, what about us? What do we need? Suppose that you are given the luxury of at least having the bare necessities to face perilous times. What would you include in your list? I have pondered this at length for years. My conception of necessities has been refined as I visited and lived among people who truly know by experience the meaning of the word. As the old aboriginal saying goes, the more you know, the less you need. And I, I have to totally agree with this. Uh, the more you know, the less you need. Having studied survival craft for decades, my thoughts immediately go to the basic list, the order which changes depending on the conditions faced. But the essentials which I pare down to needs rather than equipment are shelter, food, water, fire, tools, things like a knife, light, etc., navigation, uh, compass, things of this, uh, uh, solar and stellar, meaning uh, navigation during the day and then navigation at night is what he's in reference to, and also a signal mirror. Each of these needs is met in various ways, depending on the individual. Yet, as I reflect on these time-tested ideas, I am convinced these things are not are not first on the list. Here are my suggestions. Number one, community. In the story of the four sailors, this was a big factor, which each contributed to the survival of each of them. Each member brought skills and abilities to the community pool. Each relied on others to lift and encourage them. The four survived where one alone would have died. Our community begins with our family, which includes the body of Christian believers, each with differing talents and gifts. And this is why the Bible refers to um, the Christian believers as a whole as the body of Christ. And that's why the Bible also says, Can you know the eye say to the finger, Depart of me, I have no need of you. Because see, the eye needs the finger, and the finger needs the eye. So each of us have different, and talent, uh, different gifts and talents. And then it goes on to say, without such a team, every adversity is more difficult to endure. Number two, ministry. 
commercialism always looks for profit as the ultimate goal. Every act and move is calculated in light of what do I get out of it. This is why as a nation we are in the mess we're in. God's kingdom works in diametric opposition to the world system. Living in the community of God's people, our first concern is for others. Remember, Jesus Christ said, you know, the greater hath no man, love hath no man than this, than a man would actually lay down his life for his friend. And let those that are greatest among you, let him be your servant. Okay, that's what Jesus said, and, and this is true. And really, this is going to be tested in the day and times we're moving into. Uh, going further, it says, and how can we serve them? Instead of being consumers, we can think in terms of being contributors as well to the well-being of others. Every believer has spiritual gifts as well as talents and abilities, which God has given to them for the profit and well-being of all, according to 1 Corinthians 12.7. When our life is built around service, we, f- we learn to forget self and leave our needs to God, who is faithful to fulfill his promises and meet all our needs. If this attitude had prevailed in the Great Depression, farmers would have given milk and meat to starving out-of-work families rather than dumping milk and letting slaughtered cattle rot simply because they could not profit from their produce. And I'm not saying everybody did, but obviously it went on to a certain extent. Uh, number three, third point, skill, skills and tools. Training is everything. Um, this is a quote by Mark Twain. Training is everything. The peach was once a bitter almond. Cauliflower is nothing but cabbage with a college education. Okay. So, he goes on to say, while Nan and I were in the desert of western Zambia last September, we saw a living lesson for life. One crippled old man, very poor, survived only by the handouts people would give him. Since we came to this remote area in a four-wheel drive, instead of walking the 18 hours across the bushland, as Logan and I had done a year before, we were able to bring in a huge load of used clothes, which the church in Livingstone had collected for these poor people. Opportunity was given for each of the poor to pick out, to pick through the clothes and choose something they could use. This old man had gotten a shirt and an old worn pair of running shoes. The soles were separated from the uppers. As he sat in the compound in front of our hut, I saw him working with a piece of wire about a foot long. First he broke it in half, then he sharpened one end of the one piece, bending the other into a handle. He had an awl, with, spelled A-W-L, With the other piece, he did the same, except that he bent the sharp point into a fine hook. He then took a very fine piece of plant fiber, used an awl to punch holes in the soles, and then he took the small hook to pull the fiber through and stitch the soles to the uppers. When he finished, I looked at the shoes, which looked as if they'd been repaired at a shoe shop. I wondered if he ever thought of bartering his shoe repair skills to others in the village for food or clothing. The tools of the four men lost in the Arctic were minimal, but their ingenuity magnified the usefulness of what they had. Years ago, a young Bible college student in Phoenix, I remember one speaking in a chapel service, who gave us the formula of America's success. He said, prosperity is the result of willingness to work, plus ability training, multiplied by tools. He emphasized that one major difference between capitalism and communism is that in America, the workers own his own tools. Therefore, he takes care of them. And again, unfortunately, we're moving into this system of Marxist socialism, communism, so we're unfortunately moving into the other. He goes on to say, even the simplest tools skillfully used can multiply our productivity. So then he says, to remember this little poem, Shamgar had an ox goad, and this is from the Bible, David had a sling, 
Dorcas had a needle, Rahab had some string, Mary had some ointment, Moses had a rod. What small thing do you have that you can dedicate to God? And hardship and adversity are great teachers. If we are teachable, we will learn many skills in the coming days that we have never considered before. I remember teaching many years ago in my first church that the days would come when we would not need to learn skill when we would need to learn skills from homeless street people. Those days may be upon us. Learn to be self-reliant, but in, but I, when he says that, I think you know, not self-reliant apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. And and again, if you're in a community of Christians, um, it's it's going to be like a team effort. You know, which is a good thing, which is what we've been talking about here. Then he goes on to say, be observant and available to develop simple skills, which you can do to be a servant to others. Be willing to work to help those in need, Ephesians 4.28. Don't calculate what you'll get out of it. As you help others, they may learn to help you. And God will certainly see to your reward. See, God's the one that's going to provide through this whole thing. Okay, um, Luke 6.38. Give, and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For the same measure that you use, it will, it will be measured back to you. Okay, it's the whole concept of giving and, and receiving. And to whom much is given, much is required as well. So, some people will have more of a responsibility in the day and times to come. The last point he mentions is teamwork. As a small boy, I remember my father telling me a story I've never forgotten. This happened in the early days of America. When George Washington was a young man, he came upon a few men trying to load some heavy freight into a wagon. The road was muddy from recent rains. The men were struggling, slipping in deep mud, while a crowd of onlookers stood by, not wanting to get into the mud and help. Washington, um, who was a successful and prosperous landowner, got down from his horse helped and helped to lift the load into the wagon. Then my father said, never stand by and watch someone struggling at any job. Don't ever be afraid to get dirty to help someone. What is an impossible task for one or two may be easily done by three. I have never forgotten the story and have often seen it proved to be true. We will all need to learn to work together so that the burdens of these times are lessened for each of us. Remember, the cord of three strands is not easily broken, uh, according to Ecclesiastes 4.12. If each one of us works to lighten the burdens of, other, burdens of others, we will find our, our own will actually be lightened as well. And then he ends by quoting 1 Timothy 1, 16-18. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me, and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me, and the Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. And he ends this by, May so we serve one another. And that was by Gene Cunningham. So that's the end of of this little teaching. Um, hopefully, ultimately, it will be an encouragement to you, and also, we're trying to prepare you for the times to come, warning you, uh, we're reproving the unfruitful works of darkness and having no fellowship with them, uh, and we're just trying to be salt and light. We're, we're trying to make sure that you're not destroyed for lack of knowledge and that, and that you actually have answers for when these start things start to go down and that you're not taken unawares. So... May the Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you, and we're going to go ahead and end this teaching now. God bless.